Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Well, welcome into a special edition of the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. I am the somewhat capable, very much jet-lagged at the moment, uh, host TJ Reeves as we come your way late night Friday night at a time in which I have traveled throughout the afternoon and the evening with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to Northern California as they get set to play the San Francisco 49ers. The reason we are coming to you with a special edition of the Sports Media Watch podcast is because of the unfortunate, uh, shocking news that one of the most prominent sports media members, at least in the world of soccer in this country, Grant Wall, has passed away while covering in the stadium one of the quarterfinal matches of this 2022 FIFA World Cup. And the shockwaves that are still ongoing uh, on this Friday night as we turn to Saturday, not only out of the uh, sadness of his death, but now uh, at the same time, an allegation from his brother that because Grant Wall was an outspoken critic of the Qatari government, that the brother believes the government is behind his death. So we decided to do this a podcast, uh, a special edition of it tonight. I've got Dr. John Lewis with me. I've also got a contributor to the Sports Media Watch uh, website as well. Adam Goskamelski is here uh, also. Um, and so, guys, welcome, uh, Dr. John Lewis. Uh, this is the last thing that I thought I would be doing on my Friday night after a long plane ride to the West Coast from West Central Florida. But this warrants it, and I'd love for you to pick it up from there. You've written about it on the site about Grant Wall and the reason why we're having a special podcast tonight. Well, you know, it's not simply the case that a reporter died covering the World Cup uh, because, you know, that does happen. Uh, it's that a reporter who was detained by by security forces at this World Cup, who has been the preeminent critic uh, of Qatar, of FIFA, uh, that that reporter has died, right? I mean, so, you know, we're having a different conversation if, God forbid, something had happened to Rob Stone or, you know, somebody who was not having a, a critical orientation. The fact that this is the primary critic, it's immediately suspicious. We're also having a different conversation if he had never been detained. Because even as a critic, if he had never been detained, we're still having a different conversation. So the fact that he was detained, right, tells me he was already on the radar in a way that is uncomfortable, especially now in the wake of his death. Does that necessarily mean that we should jump to the conclusion that this was foul play? I understand why his brother feels that way. I mean, I think everyone can understand. But... It's also the case that, you know, we don't know that that's the case. We don't know that it was foul play. Uh, I'll put it this way, though. There's a lot of circumstances where you would never even think to suggest it was foul play. And this is not one of them. So just from that alone, 
that makes this a much more significant story uh, than the tragedy would otherwise be. Well, and we should, uh, you know, be clear as we go along, and I'll probably say this a couple more times. This is a fluid situation. I learned of this in the last hour of the plane ride, late night, Friday night, long about probably 10 Eastern time. John, I don't know when the news had broken uh, with the confirmation from the United States Soccer Federation, from his brother on social media that Grant Wall had died. And another aspect, again, to this is he died covering one of the premier events in the world that only runs every four years. He died while a prominent match was going on while in the press box at that match. Uh, this is uh, it's a horrible story, but it's at the same time such a, a sensational story for all the different aspects that we're laying out. And I want to be clear on one more thing. Uh, this is awful, awful, awful for Wall's family, for his wife, for his brother, for everybody involved. That is the story. That's the most important thing out of this is his death. The circumstances that we're going over, I just want to keep saying, are secondary. However, this is what we do, John. You cover sports media. We cover it on the podcast. There's a lot of intriguing aspects. And I know you want to bring your special guest in to help give us some insight yeah. as well. So, uh, you know, Adam Gostumelski has been doing some work on the site lately. Uh, some of the readers might have noticed he's written some articles the last couple of days. And uh, Adam is a former soccer player collegiately. He now coaches. Uh, he knows quite a bit about soccer, frankly, more than I do. I don't know how much soccer you watch, TJ. So, uh, you know, to put Grant Wall's career in context, right, uh, try to, for those of us who are not big soccer people who don't follow it, this is somebody who my understanding is, is somewhat responsible for soccer becoming more mainstream in this country. Yeah, ab absolutely. And I think, you know, the first thing I think that should be mentioned is, you know, when you go through Twitter and you go through all the outpouring of support is you start to realize what kind of person he was in the industry. One of the best people introducing people, helping people along the way. And I think that kind of plays a role into the outsized influence he had on the American soccer culture. And, you know, even before he primarily focused on soccer, we knew he was a great writer. I mean, most of my friends know him mostly from the LeBron James chosen one cover story on Sports Illustrated back in, I believe, uh, 2002, if I have that right. So he's obviously a great writer, but I think, you have to understand that when he took over and try to focus on soccer, soccer was nowhere near what it is today in the United States in terms of coverage. And, you know, the things that he was able to do, like I was born in 1998, MLS was two years old at that point. When 2005 came around, MLS had contracted teams. They'd lost teams. And then four years later, in 2009, Grant Wall's book on David Beckham coming to the, uh, to the MLS, to the LA Galaxy, was a New York Times bestseller. It's kind of impossible to put that in perspective. I, off the top of my head, I, don't, I can't think of any other soccer book at the time or even before that making the New York Times bestseller list. And this was before 2010 World Cup with Langdon Donovan's Algeria moment that went viral. This was before Brazil 2014 and really the 
the decade of 2010 to 2020 where soccer kind of took off a little bit where MLS started growing massively. Um, so to say that, you know, he was kind of the preeminent reporter in American soccer, I don't think is an understatement at all. I would, I would say he, in the, in the history book of what U S soccer will look like, he will have such an outsized influence just in the fact that he was kind of the first American soccer reporter to really put soccer on the world stage equivalent to what NBA coverage would look like equivalent to what NFL coverage would look like. He gave it that importance and, you know, not just to the men's game as well. He was a very, you know, big uh, influence on the women's game. Uh, His cover story on uh, Megan Rapinoe and her fight and the women's fight uh, that ultimately succeeded in equal pay. Um, was a big part of his coverage recently. Um, so it's it's hard to put into appropriate context because it's happened so fast. But when you think about where soccer was really, you know, in 2005, 2010, like the, I'm in that generation that grew up with soccer becoming a more accepted mainstream sport. And Grant Wall's coverage was really a key cornerstone to that he was the guy that you'd look to for news and more importantly for insight and he could tell you what was going on in u.s soccer circles as compared to the rest of the world and you know as a kid who yes you know i loved writing and i loved reading his stories seeing his story on david beckham coming to mls and what it would do to change the future of mls and then to live through that changed future is, uh, you know, it's, it cannot be understated the kind of impact he had culturally on uh, U.S. soccer. Adam, well done on laying all of that out. And again, I'm older than both of you. I, I smirked when you said born in 1990. <laughs> scary because uh, scary I'm, I'm a good 20 years older than you are. And obviously, I'm somebody, John, uh, that grew up playing youth soccer, somebody that's followed the sport, that has followed the sport internationally. I won't sit and say that I'm a hardcore fan, but I've watched enough. I've watched enough MLS. Uh, I've watched enough international soccer to know about this. And again, to Adam's point about Grant Wall's impact, this is, if we start relating this to writers that cover certain sports, this is like a Peter King that covers the NFL and has been doing it forever. This is like a Wojnarowski, uh, a Woj in the NBA that's covered it for so long and is so much known as a newsbreaker, et cetera. The second level to this, though, is is an advocate for the sport becoming more mainstream, as Adam was talking about, and then becoming an advocate for some of the wrongs or the slights in the sport uh, as well. And I I pick up on, and, and John, I'd love to have your thoughts on this, the outpouring that has been everywhere from the sports media world, from soccer, uh, from soccer personalities. It was immediate. It's consistent. Uh, of not only the shock, but the impact this guy had. I mean, you go down the Twitter timeline, for example, and it's dozens and dozens of prominent names and people. That gives you an idea, John. Pick up on that point on the gravity of this. Well, I mean, you're talking about one of the most prominent members of the sports media you know, uh, group, really. I mean, uh, this is somebody who has been a major voice not just in soccer, right? As Adam mentioned, he wrote the cover story of LeBron for SI. He was a very prominent SI writer for many years. 
So, I mean, it's been quite a while since somebody of this magnitude in sports media died at such a young age. I go back to Ralph Wiley, who uh, was a very prominent writer for ESPN, uh, somebody whose absence is felt to this day because there's, there was no voice like him at the time, and there still is not. And he passed away, I think, around the same age, maybe 49, watching Game 4 of the NBA Finals back in 2004. It's, uh, you know, this is an industry where, you know, I mean, people, you know, it's almost easy to take for granted. We have a a bunch of 78, 80, 89-year-old folks who are just on the air every week traveling all over. You know, we just saw just the other day with Bob Rathbun, you know, and and Bob is hopefully Mm going to be uh, on the mend, just how quickly things can change. And, you know, I do want to point out that I pointed it out in uh, an article. I I posted uh, a follow up article uh, on the site. You know, this does happen. You know, David Bloom is who I go back to uh, at NBC News, 39 years old. Uh, He was a he was a big star reporter for NBC News. And went over to Iraq, and he was not killed in action. He was not killed by an IED. He was killed by blood clots. He, you know, he was, you know, uh, from all the kind of stationary movement, the squatting and in, in, in the Humvees and all of that, mm-hmm. that's what killed him. So it's understandable to wonder if Grant Wall might have been, you know, poisoned or something like that. I mean, especially coming off we're one day out from Brittany Griner being released from Russia right so everyone kind of has on the mind you know what these kinds of rogue states are capable of you know and we know Putin is poisoning people constantly you know it's it's understandable why people have that on the mind it's very understandable why his brother is is feeling that way but it's also important that we also remember things happen and you know I mean do I I, re- I don't really know what I think because I, I, I really don't know what I think. Uh, I think it's entirely possible that his brother is right. I think it's entirely possible that Grant Wall just got sick. But, you know, I guess one of the main reasons why it's so difficult to imagine that this was natural causes is just the odds. What are the odds that Grant Wall is going to pass away at a World Cup at a venue where it's being hosted by a country that is not very trustworthy. And it's a country where he was detained less than, you know, what, two or three weeks earlier. I mean, yeah, it could just be a coincidence. It probably is just a coincidence, but I get why people are suspicious. But right now, as we're fluid and in the moment, we don't know. I mean, we don't know what the old, I mean, history will be the ultimate judge on how suspicious were we for no reason or were we suspicious because we were on to the right thing right away uh, immediately. His brother obviously feels strongly about this. And again, to clarify what John is referring to as we talk about the passing of, of Grant Wall, arguably the most prominent soccer journalist certainly of the last 25 years in the United States who died on Friday night in Qatar while covering the 2022 World Cup, as we continue to say, um, the magnitude of that, again, so many different directions you can go with the magnitude of him dying while covering the event while being a critic. He had worn a shirt and he had been photographed and put it on social media that had a soccer ball with a rainbow around it. And we know that the Qatari government and FIFA had been trying to crack down, if not ban, any mention of, uh, of not only uh gay rights, human rights, any any kind of protest, any kind of anything. 
And that's what John is referring to, what Dr. John Lewis is referring to about him being detained uh, previously. So let, let's go back to a couple of other things uh, here. And Adam, I want to bring you back in um, uh, on this aspect of it. Um, one thing that he had been prominently also covering were the deaths of different migrant workers uh, in Qatar. We know the Qatari government has been trying for the, for the better part of four or five years to downplay that. Uh, Grant Wall was writing about this leading up to the World Cup. He was talking about it on a podcast, not unlike what we're doing here about it. That's another aspect. Uh, but by the same token, simultaneously, he's covering the United States being back in the World Cup for the men and having advanced to the round of 16. Uh, and again, we can't overemphasize, Adam, pick up on this point, that he's the premier guy you're going to to read and to listen to on the podcast for all the news around the World Cup, especially slanted towards the United States. Say that again, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to your point, his last story was about the Filipino migrant worker who died at the Saudi Arabian camp in Qatar uh, during the group stage. That's his last story on his Substack. Uh, so, yeah, the circumstances are, you know, pretty damning. And unfortunately, that's it's not just the fact that it's in Qatar. It's not the fact that he was uh, detained for the uh the gay rights shirt that he wore. It's not the fact that his last story was about the migrant workers, which Qatar's tried to downplay uh, so much, but it's also, you know, there's the sport in general, which Grant has highlighted several times in his career is, you know, rife with corruption. Uh, you know, Grant famously actually ran for FIFA president in 2011 against Seth Blatter, who, um, you know, obviously was convicted of fraud and, um, among other charges uh, a few years later. So it's unfortunately this sport, you know, everywhere you look, it's kind of all this, you know, whether it's corruption, whether you can go back to the 1994 World Cup, which was held in the United States a couple of weeks after Andreas Escobar, who scores the own goal that puts the United States through simultaneously eliminating Colombia, gets killed in his native Colombia weeks later. So an unfortunate part of this sport is that it kind of unmasks a lot of these ills uh, in around the world, um, you know, and unfortunately you've had such an amazing World Cup from a matches standpoint and, you know, from the U.S. standpoint, getting out of the group, playing uh, England is an enormous game, an enormous opportunity for uh, a showpiece game on American television. Grant Wall is covering that, you know. So that is, uh, it's definitely um, part of it for sure. All right. I want to cover a couple of more aspects of this. Number one, we should say, and I was reading this again as we were uh, traveling here to San Jose and I was in the last 30 minutes to an hour of the flight, that uh, he was sick. He admitted that he had some kind of bronchitis, pneumonia, that he had gone for medical attention earlier this week and within the last couple of days and had been given treatment, had been given antibiotics uh, and other things. He did a podcast on Thursday. I'm having trouble just keeping my week straight and what day it is and what time it is traveling <laughs> to the West Coast because I'm older. I don't bounce back like you do, Adam. Stop laughing at me. Um, but on Thursday, he had talked openly about being ill and about feeling better after taking medication. So we should add that to part of what we're talking about with Grant Wall here and mm -hmm. leading to all the 
all, all the different speculation uh, here in the sensational part of the story. Um, and then, John, the other aspect of this that I want to get into, because this is what we do with the coverage. So now Fox, uh, the prominent broadcaster in the United States that's paid billions of dollars for the rights to the World Cup, they've used Grant Wall previously on their coverage as a correspondent. They now have the duty to not only simultaneously cover the Saturday action in the quarterfinals for the two matches, but to cover this story. At the time that we're releasing this podcast, and you may be hearing it later on Saturday, we haven't seen any of that. We don't know what they are or aren't doing. We obviously know they're going to address it. They're going to express uh, shock, sympathy, condolences. But, John, pick up on that because it's, yeah. a, it's an awkward situation for Fox, the broadcaster that's trying to broadcast the World Cup in Qatar when this situation has happened. Go ahead, John. Yeah, well, you know, keep trying to stick to sports when the real world keeps intruding, right? I mean, it's not going to work out. Uh, and uh, it was really ridiculous to just say, oh, we're going to only cover what's going on on the field. It's the World Cup. There's never been a World Cup where covering just the stuff that's going on on the field made any sense. Because as Adam pointed out, there are always things that are going on that are part of the real world. Anytime you have an international competition of any significance, right, you can't just stick to sports. So they're going to have to cover this tomorrow. But what I'm going to be curious to see is, will they be just offering their condolences or will they bring in the broader context, which is this person who just died covering the World Cup was detained a few weeks ago. And then if they mention that, will they mention why he was detained? Will they give the backstory? You know, this whole idea that I mean, you've got an hour-long pre-match show before each match. Nobody is saying talk about it for you know the the first twenty minutes of gameplay, but when you have a, a studio show, which is what Fox has for an hour before each match, I mean, you have to talk about these things. So they're going to have to talk at the very least about the fact that this happened. They're not going to have a media blackout on that, uh, and uh, you know. I'll, I'll be curious to see if they are going to do the obvious thing and bring in the context. I will go ahead and interject. I will be stunned, stunned if any reference to the brother making his comments public about believing that the Qatari government is involved is even addressed or brought up. That's not going to happen. I, I mean, death, taxes, and a guarantee. That's not going to be brought up on the Fox broadcast to be discussed at any level uh, because, again, they're a multi-billion dollar rights holder and they're in the country while this is going on covering the games that are going on. So that's a, that's a whole different uh, situation with that. And uh, I, I, I'm interested to see what the other, what will ESPN do now? ESPN previously had uh, the world cup coverage, no longer has had it for about the last decade. Will they, John, we've been a critic about this. And I want yeah. you feeling about this. Will they go into the news mode here and will they cover the story and probably put the brother on the air and put maybe others on the air that believe there's something up with the Qatari government and at least right. cover that aspect of the story? I don't yeah. know that answer with ESPN, but my educated guess with them is they will cover that part of it at some point on Saturday and at least address that, the, that you've got a family member that believes this is what happened. John, what's your educated speculation real quick? Well, after ESPN basically punted on the UVA shooting, right, at least the day of, 
it's hard for me to have any real expectations of them journalistically. You know, even just yesterday, Brittany Griner is released from Russia and Dan Snyder news breaks. Big morning of, of real news, right? I couldn't figure out where to go. I couldn't figure out what channel to watch. I mean, am I going to sit down and watch Shannon and Skip? Am I going to watch Stephen A? And uh, I don't even know who Stephen A's host is now. It's a different host every day, right? There is no Jeremy Schapp at one o'clock for Outside the Lines Daily, right? You know, and I mean, there's just, I, I don't know how much coverage ESPN is going to give this because I think ESPN's calculus is we're only going to cover things if we think it will rate, not necessarily if we think it's important. And that's why they decided when the UVA shooting happened that morning, they were still covering the Dallas Cowboys or whatever was going on in the NFL, because it occurred to them, you know what? People don't turn to us for the news of the day. They turn to us for debate. And so unless the news of the day is something that we can debate, why are we going to talk about it? And, you know, this is an enormous story, but it is also the case that Grant Wall is a journalist, right? And so the average sports fan maybe hasn't even really heard of him. Right. So, I, you know, it. I don't know that we're going to see much from ESPN. For the record, I just looked, and again, we're taping this Friday night late, almost midnight Eastern time. Um, the lead story at the top of ESPN.com is the death of Grant Wall, and it does have mention of the brothers' allegations in it. So for but what will that mean for Saturday on coverage on TV? Again, for ESPN, they're out of the college football mode, mostly on Saturday now because the season has ended and the bowl games are about to start, but you've got college basketball. But they, they're going to cover the World Cup results in yeah. and around what happens. How do you not mention this? I'm saying rhetorically. I'm not asking you two to explain that uh, here at, at this point. How do you not cover it and how do you not talk about it, especially with the sensational allegations from a family member? Uh, and, and then we go next level. There's going to have to be an autopsy here. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and I read another thing. I mean, there are just there's so many aspects of this story. If, if it is correct, if the reporting is correct, that he had a medical episode in the stadium, in the in the media area during the extra time of the Argentina match with the Netherlands, with the Dutch. And he was not taken by ambulance from the stadium. The report I saw was that he was taken by Uber, an Uber ride oh, yeah. took him to the hospital. That needs to be covered and addressed, yeah. and somebody at FIFA has got to get in front yeah. of a microphone and tell us, is that what happened? that a prominent American journalist was carted out of the stadium in cardiac arrest and there was not an ambulance to take him, no matter how far or close the hospital was, that aspect of the story, I'll be very curious, yeah. uh, John and Adam, on how that's covered as well in the coming day or days with this. That's just another log in the fire of why people are suspicious, right? You know, and I mean... I mean, I, I just don't think Qatar gets the benefit of the doubt. Think about all the deaths that they've covered up beforehand. And Adam, you can, I, I see your reaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, the thing is with FIFA, you're never going to get the the straight answer. You're never going to get uh, what may be, you know, the most accurate definition of a, of a situation. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, I know right now, um, uh, can they get Grant's body back into the U.S.? Can the U.S. undergo their own autopsy? Um, you know, I know that's kind of 
situation right now. Um, you know, he's obviously his body's in Qatar right now. So that's a whole other situation, you know. Um, One so other aspect, Adam, if I can interject on this. Go ahead. His wife is a prominent doctor. His wife yep. is an infectious disease doctor who's been associated with the Biden administration and the COVID-19 his transition on the uh, presidency on COVID-19. She, my understanding is she is there with him. She has already been in communication uh, with the Biden administration and wanting help with this whole situation, including perhaps a death investigation. That is another sensation. I keep using the word sensational part of this story. Uh, and she is connected. He's prominent as a journalist, but she's connected to the Biden administration and so you have that part of it with the death investigation that she is there. She's going to be advocating. And again, I say one more time, all of this is secondary to the horrible shock. And I know you guys agree. And I see yeah. you nodding with me that, that Grant Wall died. That's the that's the story. That's the most important story than the aspects of it. What are we going to find out about the circumstances around that uh, in the coming days, uh, I guess? OK, so final thoughts here, guys, as we wrap up this special sportsmediawatch.com uh, podcast on the, uh, the unfortunate events, the horrible news that one of the most prominent uh, journalists in soccer in the United States uh, really in the last 25 or 30 years has died while covering the World Cup uh, in Qatar. Yeah. Um, Adam, you've been yeah. our guest. Any final thought on this? Anything else we haven't said that you want to say? Any other aspect to this? Go ahead. Yeah, I think – the best way that I can kind of put this for an audience who may not be familiar with his work or kind of what he represented in the soccer realm is in a time when really nobody wanted to choose soccer. We had a guy who, you know, could have been a great writer for college basketball for decades, you know, he broke the, or wrote the LeBron James cover story could have done really anything. And, at a time when you could argue we really needed it as a sport, as a sporting culture, he chose soccer. And not only did he choose soccer as a career, but he chose to make it a passion. He chose to bring forth the game everywhere he went. And I think that's part of the reason why you see such an outpouring of support and love on Twitter and social media is because he was kind of the person to bring everybody into it and raise the level so that other people who, like myself, who grew up in this new era of U.S. soccer culture could really see what it could become, what it is today, and get to live through it. And he is really the person that, one of the first people that chose to make it happen. And that decision to choose soccer is, at that time, was really unprecedented. And, you know, he's, he is who he is because of that. Well said. Dr. John Lewis, final thoughts on this situation, the coverage of it, and as it unfolds? Well, you know, it's, uh, as you said, uh, TJ, I think it's probably the most important thing. Ultimately, no matter what the reason is for Grant Wall's death, he did die. And, you know, uh, I mean, sometimes when a death is suspicious, it creates all of this mystery and it becomes almost like an entertainment product. We see that with true crime all the time. But no matter how somebody dies, that's still the worst thing that can happen to you, right? Uh, other than the death of one of your own loved ones is mm -hmm. your own death. And so the idea that Grant Wall was just watching this match that I was watching, the Netherlands against Argentina, he was watching it just like the rest of us. 
And out of the blue in the middle of this match or toward the end of it, he's no longer of this earth, right? I mean, it's pretty, I mean, I would say it's pretty disturbing. You know, it's another reminder, no matter what the reason was, just yet another reminder of how easily, you know, we're, we're done, you know? Uh, and the fact is it'll happen to all of us uh, at some point in our lives, it'll be over. If we're lucky, we'll go out, you know, surrounded by our loved ones, you know, uh, at, at 80 something years old. But uh, all too many of us are going to go out suddenly without any expectation, doing our job in the middle of in the middle of uh, the World Cup, just watching a match. You know, I mean, it is it is what it is. Uh, the best case scenario here is pretty disturbing, which is that Grant Wall, a healthy 49 year old man, just died in the middle of watching a World Cup match without any warning because he was tweeting normally right mm -hmm. up until the end. And that's the best case scenario, right? Because obviously the worst case is that there was some intent here. So it's a, it's a pretty terrible story, obviously. Uh, and, you know, I guess I'd say pretty surreal. I mean, you know, I can't think of too many parallels. I mentioned Ralph Wiley before. I just, I mean, you know, it does happen. Uh, you know, Pete Pranica with the Memphis Grizzlies, he's had that job ever since the day Don Poyer passed away, right? Uh, you know, um, and, and I can elaborate a little bit on that because I have a background in Memphis and I know the Memphis media people. Don Poyer was at a hotel at a road game, had been at dinner with colleagues and with sponsors, et cetera, said good night and goodbye to everybody, and then never showed up the next morning at the shoot-around, never responded to anybody trying to get in touch with him. Shocking, stunning for them because he had been the original voice of the Vancouver Grizzlies who had come to Memphis with the team. He died on a road trip at a hotel prior to a game being played. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm thinking there, there have been other um, instances uh, as well of, of people that have been to cover an event. I'm thinking of Don Banks, a former Sports Illustrated writer, a former local mm -hmm. writer in the Tampa Bay area, prominent NFL writer who had been covering the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, the Pro Football Exhibition Hall of Fame game, and was slated to fly back uh, to Las Vegas, where he had just taken a job with the Las Vegas newspaper to cover the Las Vegas Raiders, and the same thing. He said goodbye to colleagues who he was with, went back to his hotel room and died in his hotel room of a heart attack uh, in his sleep, died in his sleep. Uh, it is part of life. Unfortunately, yeah. horribly, death is part of life. But this one, this one has so many questions that are unanswered as we do this podcast tonight. We want answers. I think it's fair to say we demand some more answers yeah. on, on this. I don't think it's out of line to demand some more answers because of how outspoken Grant Wall was and you're over in a in a Middle Eastern unfriendly situation that's already been mm -hmm. unfriendly with him, uh, we shall see. We shall see what answers we get in the coming days. Uh, guys, great stuff here tonight. Adam uh, Gostomelski, thank you for being our guest here on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. By the way, if you're on social media, and forgive me for not knowing again, it's late, I'm jet lagged, promote how we can find you, how we can locate you, and I know you're doing a great job contributing as well on SportsMediaWatch.com with John. Yeah, no, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. I wish it was uh, obviously under better circumstances, but uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Adam underscore Gosto, G-O-S-T-O. Um, and obviously uh, on the sports media website, sports media watch website. So there we go. Dr. John Lewis, you have the floor. Closing thought or two. 
Well, Qatar doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. FIFA doesn't get the benefit of the doubt. It seems outrageous that this would be intentional, but they don't get that they don't get the benefit of the doubt. They just don't. A lot of people have already died to get this World Cup going. And you know what I think is very important. You know, there's a lot of money involved. It's a big event. Same thing with same thing with the Olympics, but at a certain point, you have to, it's not even a moral question. Because I mean, it is obviously a moral question, but corporations don't typically operate on that wavelength. If you are thinking about doing business with FIFA, they're going to have to start proving that they're not going to put people in harm's way, right? This is Qatar right on the heels of Russia, right? Uh, For the IOC, China had the Olympics this year on the heels of Russia going back to 2014. You know, like this is uh, getting to a point where these organizations, both of which are extremely corrupt, it's just a question of which one is more corrupt. It's a competition between them. They keep putting the broad populace who are associated with these events in harm's way by scheduling them in places that just don't have a commitment to democratic norms, small d democratic norms at all. I mean, we just saw what happened to Brittany Griner, right? No no basketball player with any sense is ever going to go over and play in Russia again unless they're really desperate. And, you know, there's nothing stopping something like that from happening to anyone in Qatar right now. And we talked about Grant Wall and the potential that the Qatari government did something to him. I mean, who's to say that a player on any of these teams isn't going to be, you know, kidnapped by the Qatari government on trumped up charges, just like Brittany Griner was, right? You know, that's the danger that comes with prioritizing money over all else, where it's like, oh, well, you know, okay, Qatar, and you're interested, we'll push the World Cup into November and December just for you. You know, I mean, it's it's absurd. But again, like I said, the main issue here is just the tragedy of Grant Wall's passing, and it may just be a complete coincidence. But uh, no matter what, whether it was a coincidence or whether it was intentional, we're talking about a pretty vibrant and vigorous life uh, that is snuffed out at just 49 years old. And no bigger advocate for soccer, soccer in the United States, coverage of soccer, uh, as Adam has articulated, and obviously you see the outpouring everywhere from the soccer community than Grant Wall was. Um, I know this, we'll be watching, we'll be reading sportsmediawatch.com for the coverage of this. Uh, we will have more on this, obviously, as, the, as we come off the weekend and we head into next week with our regular sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for indulging me. Um, Adam and uh, and Dr. John Lewis, great stuff here tonight on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Good night, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.